Tuesday morning to you, Oregon. I'm Finn J.D. John, FJ at OffbeatOregon.com, and this is the Daily Offbeat Oregon Podcast. Since it is Tuesday, this is an archive show, first published as a newspaper column and podcast episode several years ago. Thanks for downloading, and I sure hope you enjoy it. Sometime in the late 1990s, Scott Levengood of Oregon State University's Forestry Extension Service got a strange phone call from Michael Simons of Phoenix, Arizona. Quote, I heard there was a moon tree planted at the College of Forestry, Simons said. Is it still there? Can I get cuttings from it? Levengood had no idea what he was talking about. Moon tree? What was that? The Moon Tree story starts with a young Forest Service employee named Stuart Rusa. Rusa was a smoke jumper, a wildland firefighter deployed by parachute like an airborne ranger. Throughout a tough 1953 fire season, he parachuted behind the fire lines of Oregon's backcountry, helping put him out. Eighteen years later, Rusa was in a different career. He'd become a U.S. Air Force officer, test pilot, and astronaut and he'd been picked for the crew of the Apollo 14, which was the third mission to the moon, scheduled for launch in 1971. But, although he was living every little boy's dream, he remembered fondly his summer in the backcountry of the Beaver State, and his colleagues in the U.S. Forest Service, and now he thought was his opportunity to do them a well-deserved favor. Quote, Each Apollo astronaut was allowed to take a small number of personal items to the moon, said Lieutenant Colonel Jack Rusa, Stuart Rusa's son, in an interview with NASA Science News. My father chose trees. It was his way of paying tribute to the U.S. Forest Service. Trees, that is, in the form of seeds. Rusa planned to fill a container with more than 400 seeds from five different kinds of trees. Redwoods, loblily pine, sycamore, Douglas fir, and sweetgum. He'd take them to the moon, return them to the earth, and see if they would still grow and how well. The plan was a little like a publicity stunt, but it was also a scientific experiment. The Forest Service scientists, who of course loved Rusa's idea and were eager to help in any way, wanted to see what would happen to seeds that had been subjected to the vacuum and zero gravity of outer space. Would they sprout? Would they grow normally? There was only one way to find out and that involved sending them on a journey of roughly one million miles to the moon and back again, or infinity and beyond, or something like that. Anyway, the scientists provided Rusa with clean tree seeds from the Forest Service Genetics Institutions. Each seed's parents were known so that if one grew markedly differently from its ancestors, that would be noticed. The seeds were packed in a metal cylinder six inches long and three inches in diameter, and on January 31, 1971, they blasted into space. Rusa was the command module pilot, so he didn't actually get to walk on the moon. He orbited above while fellow astronauts Al Shepard and Ed Mitchell explored the surface, collecting rocks and whacking the golf balls that Shepard had brought with him. Upon their return, there was a little mishap. The cylinder exposed to vacuum exploded and scattered the seeds all over the place. Forest Service Staff Director Stan Krugman spent hours scrounging the seeds up and sorting them by species, whereupon they were sent off to Forest Service labs to see if they would germinate. 
somewhat to everyone's surprise, they did. By 1975, the year before the bicentennial celebration, the Forest Service had hundreds of little seedling moon trees, and suddenly everyone wanted one. It seemed like every congressman wanted one to plant in his or her home state. One went to the Emperor of Japan. The mayor of New Orleans, a man named Moon Landreau, requested a moon tree or two for obvious personal reasons as well. They were so popular that Forest Service professionals had to root cuttings of the original trees, not an easy thing to do with a conifer, to meet the demand. There followed a busy year of planting and celebrating bicentennial moon trees, followed immediately, for most of them, by three decades of forgetting they even existed. In Oregon, the trees were not forgotten. A plaque marked the location of the moon tree on the state capitol grounds in Salem, and another one on the University of Oregon campus in Eugene was remembered in 1987 when it was carefully moved to make way for construction of Willamette Hall. Today it stands at the corner of the lawn behind the Herb Memorial Union, close to the Carson Dormitory Building. According to NASA, there are four other moon trees in Oregon, for a total of six, one at the Veterans Hospital in Roseburg, two at a private residence in Salem, and one at Oregon State University in front of P.V. Hall. I want to talk for a second about the ones at the private residence in Salem. These are an interesting enigma. Their date of planting is given as 1973, which is two full years before any other moon trees were planted anywhere in the country. And other than the reference on the NASA website, I haven't been able to find any more information about them. If you happen to know where they are and how they came to be planted so early, I would love to hear from you. There has to be a story behind that. At Oregon State, the resident moon tree was not forgotten, but it also wasn't widely known about, which is why Levengood, an extension agent specializing in forestry, had never heard of it until Michael Simon's phone call. And it was the tree at OSU that Simon wanted a cutting from, despite the fact that several other moon trees were much closer to his home. He explained to Levengood that he was trying to get his daughter interested in science and thought that trying to sprout a moon tree would be a great father-daughter project. Levengood made a few inquiries and soon learned that the big 40-foot fir tree in front of P.V. Hall, which he'd walked by hundreds of times on campus, was in fact the moon tree. Levengood took cuttings from its branches and pine cones from its base and sent them off to Simon who tried valiantly to get the cuttings to root but failed. This is extremely difficult to do with a Douglas fir, by the way. But he also planted the pine cones after conditioning them in the freezer following instructions from Levengood with better success. And so presumably, somewhere in Phoenix, there is a descendant of OSU's moon tree. Perhaps you could call it a half-moon tree. It's growing in a suburban backyard, and it got there via Oregon and the moon. This story was first published on May 11th of 2014 under the headline, NASA's Moon Trees Have Roots in an Oregon Forest Fire. Key sources included works by Daryl Jabin, David R. Williams, and NASA Science News. Well, that's our show for today. Thanks again for listening. This podcast is part of Offbeat Oregon History, a public history resource for the state we love. More info is at our hub page at offbeatoregon.com. Offbeat Oregon is a division of Pulp Lit Productions, a boutique publishing house about which more can be learned at pulp-lit.com. Speaking of which, if you enjoy listening to me, you might check out some of my audiobooks. You can find them most easily with a search for my name on audible.com. Most of them are old pulp stuff, H.P. Lovecraft, Edgar Rice Burroughs, etc., but at least two of them are Offbeat Oregon history-type stuff. 
check them out if you're so inclined. This podcast is covered under a Creative Commons license. For details, see offbeatorgan.com cc. Our theme music is by the Atlas String Band and was written by Carmen Ficara. Listen and download more at atlasstringband.com. Questions, critiques, ideas for a future episode? Email me at fj at offbeatorgan.com. Episodes of Offbeat Organ History are uploaded around 6 a.m. every weekday, so the next one will be on your device and ready to go before you know it. Until then, go out and fill up the rest of the day with good stuff. Bye now. Bye now.